You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you. The DU Podcast with your host, Chris Jennings. Today we're going to talk about a very, very important topic, uh, something that was on the top of everybody's mind last season, I know, and, and probably continuing through the summer is... Uh, the difficult duck season that we all had, some of the questions that we had, the main question that I probably heard over and over and over again was, where are the ducks? Um, and today I've got Dr. Tom Mormon, DU's chief scientist, to come in and walk us through the many, many variables that come into, you know, waterfowl migration, you know, why waterfowl migrate, um, reasons for them to stick around, things like that. Tom, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. Glad to be here. Awesome. Awesome. You know, the first thing we're going to talk about is the one that everybody already knows about weather. And you've brought it up before. We've all talked about it. Duck hunters will look at their phones nonstop to see the weather. Where's where's the next cold front coming in? Where's the next, what do they call it? The polar vortex that's going to be pushing ducks. That's what we're all paying attention to and, and kind of get into the reasons why waterfowl really migrate. Sure. You know, it's pretty intuitive that winter weather drives migration to a certain extent. And it's those big cold fronts that produce lots of snow or behind them freezing air comes in and freezes up wetlands that push birds to the point of making a decision to stay or go. That decision is in part heavily influenced by their access to food resources. Mm -hmm. So if they're buried by snow or covered in ice... They can hang out. For instance, a mallard could stay upwards to seven days and survive on fat reserves if it's a really healthy bird. Hmm. But the challenge for the bird, the sort of the risk trade-off is if he stays longer and it stays cold and frozen and he stays too long, then he can't migrate. He's got a problem, right? Yeah. He's really gambling there. And so they balance the risk, and typically we'll see them make a move, and it's not instant. Um, usually we see them moving two to four days mm-hmm. after a heavy snowfall or or winter onset of winter weather in northern latitudes. That bumps them. Now, and what did you say with the snowfall? Is there a set depth of snow that, you, that you've it's been recorded to say Canada geese will leave when it's 12 inches of snow or yeah there's not uh there's not a there's not any science that says okay. what depth it's really if you just sort of sort of contemplate the bird in question snow Canada geese for instance especially giant Canada's are big enough to root around in say six inches of snow mm-hmm. and they could make a go of it if they had to mallards not so much yeah two three inches they make and poke through that and forge around but if it gets beyond that you know it's hitting them you picture them walk around in a field oh, right yeah. you know they got three or four inches of clearance and that's about it so they'd have to bolt 
So anyway, um, I think I think what a lot of people underestimate about ducks and duck hunters in particular is just how well adapted they are to not only weather but the variation in habitat that is caused by weather. And that could be rainfall, snowfall, or lack of rainfall and mm-hmm. snowfall. And why why is that the big driver? Well, food is part of the equation, but it's not the only equation. For some species of ducks, especially the early nesting species, mallards, pintails in particular, they stay as far north as they can. And the reason they stay as far north as they can is because it's advantageous for them to be as close to their breeding areas as possible. So when spring rolls around, they can make the jump and get there as soon as ice is out. Those early nesting birds tend to be more successful nesters. They have access to the best territories. And remember, all these birds are going to arrive on the prairies, and they sort of have to duke it out for territories. You know, a pair of mallards, two pairs of mallards don't occupy the same wetland in the same territory. Mm -hmm. The, The dominant pair will chase the other pair out of there. So there's a real advantage to getting there first, and for that female, they tend to be tend to be the older birds, the more successful birds, and have a higher probability of raising a brood to flight stage. So there's a real a real biological advantage to staying as far north as you can, just to to be able to respond to the onset of spring conditions in a really time sensitive kind of way. Yeah. So we see some of that. And then I have, you know, sometimes people will say, well, there are other ducks who who don't do that. And that's true. And we'll use blue-winged teal, for instance. Part of this gets a little complicated, too, because it ties to foraging ecology. Mm -hmm. Blue-winged teal, shovelers, and gadwalls especially are what I would call wetland uh, obligate feeders. They don't feed typically in uplands. They have to feed in wetlands. Blue wing diets are comprised heavily of invertebrates with some seeds, shovelers mostly invertebrates, and gadwalls mostly submerged aquatic vegetation. If ice covers those, they got a problem. Yeah, they're out. And so, you know, come for blue wings, sometimes even as late as uh, as early as uh, August, and for the other two, September, October, they really have to hedge and they really have to go with the onset of some what I would call cool fronts mm-hmm. that signal things are changing and they got to go. Yeah, they can't just jump into a cornfield and feed. They typically do they not. Have There's to get, okay. no records of which I'm aware of for those three species to yeah. be field feeding. Absolutely. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. One of the things that you've mentioned here is, you know, their reason to stay, and that's very important. And it's also been mentioned like their mortality. I know you talked about the the abundance of better habitats, things like that. Um, the mortality is that something that plays into because of the the longer flights or is it you know how does that play into this reason to stay so there's so birds all migratory birds have some risk mitigation and that's that's sort of the the human or anthropocentric way to think about it but basically migration's a trade off 
um, you can stay and minimize your risk of exposure to things like predation, including hunters, mm-hmm. or risk of not finding quality habitat or hitting a drought area in the Mississippi Valley or something like that. Or you balance that against, I got to go because it's going to freeze. And so there's there's a trade-off there for them. On one hand, they want to stay as far north as they can, but they do have to have access to food, replenish daily energy requirements. And so they can't hang out through extreme winter. And, you know, the the signal there is freezing up of wetlands and snow cover. But they still only need to go so far as to find some open water and some food. Yeah. And that's one thing, you know, I've talked to people who um, one of our freelance contributors mentions he's from south dakota and he mentions on the missouri river they'll have a quarter of a million mallards mm-hmm. in january yeah and they're tucked in you know in the as long as that they, there's any open water um on the missouri river they'll they'll hang out there yeah you know if they get open water and of course that part of the world is uh heavily in agricultural production especially corn harvested corn up there typically there's waste grain on the field and if those mallards can make access to that and it's not buried in say six eight inches of snow yeah they'll hang yeah they're tough birds i was gonna say they are tough and yeah. really give them they give them the respect they deserve for yep. sure and, and you also mentioned some things some of the science that's that's pointing towards the potential for um you know mid-latitude states continuing to have a little bit warmer winters um kind of explain that and, and what waterfowl hunters should expect? Yeah, this this is uh, this is a topic that is garnering more and more interest in the waterfowl management community, and in part, it's because hunters have questions: where are my ducks? Mm-hmm. And you know, on an annual basis, weather is influential is one of the main influential features of whether or not you're going to see birds at wherever your latitude is. If you get the weather that pushes migration, then you'll see birds, and if you don't, you won't. So that's annual variation. What we're kind of interested now, though, a lot of a lot of uh, researchers are starting to look at is whether there have been longer-term trends in non-breeding distribution, where we're starting to see the sort of the center of the concentration of something like mallards uh, shifting north. And why would we see that if we did? And it all hinges on warmer winters. Uh, there are a couple papers. One models actually downscales climate models and looks at sh- both shorebird and mallards and pintail uh, non-breeding distribution in winter, and predicts that within you know forty to seventy years that mallards may winter as far north as Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Now, when we just talked about some birds that sit on the Missouri River, we're not talking about that. You know, in some years up to a couple hundred thousand yeah. there, we're talking about the center or the core of the population shifting. That would be uh, uh, something of, of significant concern to the entire waterfowl management enterprise if that happens, because obviously mallards are really critical to all hunters, and particularly as you move south in latitude, uh, places like Arkansas, you know, they, they're known for their classic mallard hunting. So this is a model. Um, it's done by some USGS scientists. Um, uh, the names of uh, Gordon Reese and Susan Skagen okay. um, out there in Colorado. That particular study was a model done on the Plyo Lakes country and the Panhandle of Texas. 
and they downscaled climate models and sort of did that whole Playa Lakes on up into Nebraska scenario. And what they detect is, or what the models predicts, is that mallards will shift north. And if you're a Texas panhandle hunter, the good news is pintail shifted north off the Gulf Coast. But if you're a Gulf Coast hunter, you know, the news would not be as as bright there. Yeah. Um, so this climate change and warming winters is definitely an issue. Um, Dr. Mike Schumer, who maybe we can have on future podcasts, mm-hmm. he's investigated this quite a bit. Uh, he has a weather severity index. And he and his team at the State University of New York, cooperating with some climate scientists at the University of Wisconsin, have some additional models that suggest similar things. And in that particular study, the suggestion is that migration will still happen, but it will be delayed. And so when you might typically expect if you're a, say you're a, I don't know, an Arkansas duck hunter, you know, we get a little influx of birds late October, early November, but the, the brunt of birds start to arrive late November into December. What that model projects or predicts is that it would be later into December, maybe even early January for something like a mallard to have yeah. to be moved out of, say, the Great Lakes region or, mm-hmm. or the Midwest. Yeah. So some interesting things to think about. And, of course, our job is to kind of figure out what that means from a conservation planning standpoint. Um, doesn't mean anything in the near term. Yeah, but, th- but that would put a strain on the wintering habitat in the, those areas where they're shifting to. Well, that's what Dr. Schumer's, one of his points in his research is that there is not, at this point, sufficient habitat developed or managed to support an increased population of wintering ducks. Yeah. And so that has implications up there, and and it sort of you know tears down from there. But yeah, it's uh, it's a uh, I would say an emerging area of science and mm-hmm. research in waterfowl, and we just have to see you know we have to see what the the climate data show. The National Climate Data Center has a lot of good information online. Uh, you know, some of the things I look at, even on an annual basis, um, I look at ice cover in the Great Lakes. Yeah, absolutely. Snow cover model. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have both of those on their website. You can look at snow cover in almost real time, a day later. Yeah. So that big storm that hit Manitoba and Dakotas earlier, a week or two ago, mm-hmm. you could have looked the day before and there'd have been no snow. And you could look two days later and there'd have been, in some cases, two feet. Wow. And you could detect that. And, yeah. of course, that has implications for bird movement. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know... You know, personally, I'm constantly checking my app, you know, just oh, yeah. to see where that, you know, where the snow is, where, you yeah. know, where the snow. I mean, most of the, even the most basic apps provide a snow cover model. Yeah, I'm um, old enough to remember uh, time before iPhones and apps. So what you did then was turned on the weather channel and watched it constantly. Yeah, you had to watch it all day. <laughs> well, hey, let's uh, let, we'll go ahead and wrap this uh, this this podcast up. Um, this one was all focused on weather. Um, We're going to get into several different variables as far as migration and wintering distribution here. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it. Special thanks to Dr. Tom Mormon, our guest today, and a special thanks to Clay Beard, Ducks Unlimited podcast producer, who does a great job putting this show together. I'm your host, Chris Jennings. Thanks for joining us, and thanks for supporting Wetlands Conservation. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit www.ducks.org slash DU Podcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. <laughs>